Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers, and uh, we're coming at you with some furious energy. On the road, uh, you might say. I'm so mad right now. <sighs> that ironic bone that? in your body wouldn't let you just yell it. <laughs> you like, uh, say, I'm so mad while sounding so bored. <laughs> I'm <better>. furiosa. <laughs> You're more I'm... furiosa. You're furiosa and furiosa. Uh, that was terrible. I'm in like oh, a that dome was, of that anger. Was... <laughs> okay, we're 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 doing Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that one. <laughs> I I just watched Thunderdome like seven times. I I don't know. I don't know what that movie is about. Everybody was watching. Yeah, we're just sitting here watching Mad Max Fury Road. And Mike's like, I'm gonna go watch Thunderdome again. <laughs> Day seven. Would you think? Would you? believe the comparison of of mad max beyond thunderdome as being the kind of uh revenge of the jedi of the mad max films i i'd say it's more like the um the uh yes <laughs> okay i'm glad so you it's your agreement. favorite mad max movie because the revenge wait what is the revenge of the jedi wait, wait. no you're talking that about that doesn't even nine. exist you're talking I'm about sorry. nine, Revenge whatever nine sin. is. Oh, remember, guys, I'm sick right now. I don't know what's going on. Wait, what's Revenge of the Jedi? You just made up a whole Star Wars movie. Revenge of the I Sith. I want to see Return Revenge of the Jedi. Jedi. That's oh. what I meant to say. There's many similar letters in both of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say it's worse than Return of the Jedi. That's for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. But does it function as the Return of the Sith? I don't know. I watched it one time. It was like a fever dream. That movie is weird as balls. Like, I'm going to say that straight up. That is a weird f***ing movie. That's it. That's all I got to say. I don't understand who made it or why they made it or who they made it for. It is weird. The we're not talking George... about that movie. I think the answer to all three of those questions was George Miller, though. By well, <laughs> fair. Fair. But we're not uh, talking about that movie. We're talking about Mad Max Fury Road. That's right. That's right. And Jesse, why are we talking about this movie? Because we're doing the Cars series, and this just has tons of cars. It's got it's got so many cars. There are cars everywhere, and they're and they're usually driving. In fact, most of this movie is just driving cars in giant epic action sequences. So that's why we're doing the movie. What what movie with cars can compete with this? In, in fact, if I if I recall correctly, the idea for a Cars series that you had was. Because of Mad Max Fury Road, right? You know, I don't think so because I saw this after I had pitched the series. So I don't. Uh, Wait, yeah. you just saw that like this year or something or the last I, couple I saw of years? It last year. Last year. So I pitched Whoa. the series two years ago. I can't remember yeah. what movies I had on there, but it was actually Vita that pitched Mad Max Fury Road. It's like, oh, we have to do that one. It's like, sure. I guess. I heard it's great. <laughs> there are barely more cars in the movie Cars than there are in the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Fewer VW uh, bugs, though. Much fewer of those. That's true. Especially the ones that are little and they fly around and you're like, how do you work? What yeah. what, what fantastical factory <laughs> built you? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. So tonight's episode is going to be just a little bit different. For everyone listening, this is ending our Cars Miniseries, I'm going to be here for a good amount of this episode, and if there's any that needs to go over, then it'll go over, and uh, I'll, I will drop out. But I am sick. I want to tell everyone that. I have the man flu, and I have it hard. I've had that um, before. How did you survive? Yeah. 
I had a tummy ache once. <laughs> Barely made it through. Rough. It's rough. Oh, you are a legend among dads. Among men, sir. I want to survive I the get, tummy ache. I want to get a shirt that says I have a tummy ache. It just, <laughs> just says that. <laughs> then no one will bother me. You know, they'll be like, oh, he's got enough on his plate. But Mad Max Fury Road, this comes to us uh, as the long-awaited sequel to the original Mad Max trilogy made by the madman, the mad doctor, George Miller, um, who directed, wrote, produced. I don't know. I'm sure he drove the cars on this thing. And George Miller's been around for a long time. You might know him for doing Babe, Pig in the City, or Happy Feet, or, uh, you know, these these (laughs) family-friendly films, or The Witches of Eastwick, which is pretty fantastic. Or the three Mad Maxes. The four Mad Maxes. That's right. All four. Yes, thank you. Written by George Miller, Brendan McCarthy, Nick Lathuris. In- and getting to our- fact on, on Nick yeah. Lathuris, he is yeah. actually, uh, he, he was an actor in the original Mad Max. He played Grease Rat or something like that. He like gave up uh, Max's wife in the first one. Oh. Uh, yeah. okay. Very cool. Uh, so he's never written anything before, doesn't look like. This one. I mean, I, I I question how much writing went into the movie, and is as opposed to just like visual storyboards. <laughs> Maybe it just meant that he built half the cars, you know. Yeah, he wrote it truly, um, and I guess he's also a credited writer on uh, Furiosa, which is supposed to come out in mm-hmm. May 2024. Over under, how do you guys think that George Miller will live to then? He's how 77 he? years old. Yeah, why, why not? not? I hope so. I hope so, because he's been teasing this this movie since 2015. It's been seven years. Like, come on, dude. Um, you know what? That's yeah. great. I, I appreciate that he's taken some time with a very interesting character that you could probably do a lot with, rather than just, like, I don't know, churning these movies out through his butthole. Uh, part of this is that um, he sued Warner Brothers for uh, more money, because he, they agreed, according to their contract, they were going to pay him. They didn't pay him, so he's like, all right, I'm not going to make your movie. <laughs> So he's been sitting on it. He's like, he's like, nope, pay me my money. <laughs> like, we'll go when you say we go, you know? Uh, and I, I like that about him is that he's, um, he, you can't push him around. You can't push the crazy Australian around. I like that. Good for him. Good for him to oh. stick up for his creation and make us wait that long. I mean, it sucks for us, but you know what? It's probably going to be a better movie. Yeah. And I think it's going to have, I think it's Anya Taylor-Joy is yeah. uh, Furiosa. So that's cool. The Imperator. 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 Sorry. Imperator's okay. <laughs> you Imperator. read a lot, don't you, Mike? I, maybe. <laughs> so who's in this I'm, movie? I don't know why, but the Imperator just sounds like somebody who goes in and just like tears open your asshole. <laughs> that's what that sounds like. I'm an Imperator! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I would run from that guy so, like, really hard, <laughs> really hard. This is a very R-rated podcast. Um, what, 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 what are your fears? <laughs> Being imperated. <laughs> Don't imperate me. Just Can that one. That's my only fear. Just that one. <laughs> That's a legit fear. That is a yeah. Ter- yeah. Why hasn't that been? You know what? Probably has been a movie. I won't go into that. Stephen King yeah. definitely wrote a book about it. <laughs> The Imperator. <laughs> <laughs> so who's in this movie? Uh, it's okay. We got uh, we got Tom Hardy as Max Rakatonsky taking over the role from Mel Gibson. Um, Charlie's Throne as Imperator. 
Furiosa, because if there was an Imperator, I would not want them to be named Furious. <laughs> <laughs> Go get Imperator. Furiosa. <laughs> Terrible. I'm so a we're Furious Imperator. <laughs> you can say they do things erratically and with great force. <laughs> Violence. Uh, we got uh, Nicholas Holt here as Nux. And then Hugh, Hugh Keys Burn, who I know as being Toe Cutter. Yeah. From the original Mad Max. Yeah. Which is which is pretty cool. He's a pretty gross villain in that one, too. Yeah, he's really gross. Yeah, he's evil. Uh, he passed away a couple years ago, didn't he? Oh, really? Probably. That does sound right. Or maybe just recently? Oh, yeah. In December of 2020. Uh, was, was his a, a COVID death? No, it says he died peacefully. Um, but apart from that, he'd been in, boy, not a single movie that I recognize. But he's really good in this one. Uh, he's he's so wimpy, but just because of his crazy getup, he he looks he looks like someone who you can call Immortan Joe. Do not become addicted to the water. It makes you weak. <laughs> Can I also say that I love this guy's name, Immortan Joe. It's a mixture of immortal and important <laughs> to make Immortan Joe. <laughs> I mean, that's so stupid, but kind of like that whole society is really dumb. Something about him and his how frail he is mixed with the skull mask and the name Immortan Joe really helps solidify the entire world as, as something that could actually function and work. So yeah. congrats to that guy for pulling that off. He is he is something special. Yeah, every time I see him, I'm just like, oh, I miss you. Uh, okay, so we also have uh, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley as the splendid Angharad. She was in, uh, I think, only one Transformer movie. I think she's in Dark of the Moon. That's mostly what I remember her from. Oh, yeah, Transform Mike's favorite series. <laughs> oh, it's her. Oh, these are her only two film credits. It's for Transformers, Dark of the Moon, and Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> but also, we got uh, Riley Keough as Capable, Zoe Kravitz as Toast the Knowing, Courtney Eaton as Cheeto the Fragile. I think that's. Oh, and Abby Lee is the Dag. That's right. Um, I think that's all of the wives and kind of all the famous people. I'm sure that some of the the people playing the like the Keeper of the Seeds and the 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 Vavalini. They might be, you know, Australian actors that are well known, but I don't know them. Yeah, maybe even the the Bullet Town guy and the, uh, yeah. the Gas Town guy. I'm sure okay. there's somebody. I have no idea who. There's a bunch, a bunch of people and a bunch of extras all over this movie. It's kind of impressive how many people show up in this movie. I don't know yeah. any of them, but they're all here. There's a lot of them. So I guess that Mr. Bullet Farmer. Oh, this is his final role. A man named Richard Carter. He died at 65. The movie role he had before Mad Max Fury Road was The Great Gatsby, where he played a character named Herzog. But I, I don't remember I don't remember that movie well enough. But he's not really in a lot of other things I recognize. It's, it's mostly a couple George Miller productions. So we finished up with cast and crew, talked over who's in this movie, who's not in this movie, and maybe just moving into some nostalgia or some first impressions for this. Uh, Jesse, since you have dropped the bombshell that you... You only saw this like a year or so ago. What, first of all, why did you wait so long? And secondly, um, what made you watch it for the first time? 
Oh, I can answer answer uh, both of those. So I, I remember when this movie came out, it was a huge deal. And I just, I wasn't going out to see movies. I was poor. I was like, who has time and money to go see movies in the theater? That is not, I have none of those things right now. But I do remember our, our past guest, Isaac Bond, like going out and, and seeing this movie and just raving about this for such a long time. I think he saw it a couple times in theaters and raved about it a couple times to me. It's like, that sounds awesome. What is it about? He's like, it's about driving. And like the craziest stunts that you've ever seen. It's like, what? Oh, all right. You know, like, um, I, I think it's, I don't think this movie is described very well. Like, how do you describe this movie other than like, you know, those cool video game levels that you play where you have to get on the thing, but the thing's moving. And if you drop, you die. That's the movie. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, this movie's really hard to explain. So I, I, I knew it was a cool action movie, and that's kind of all I've known about it for years. And then maybe like a year ago, Dan had a movie night, and it just so happened that I was the only person that showed up. So I was just sitting there with Dan, and he's just like, what do you want to watch? Like, I don't know, like maybe something I'd never seen before. And he like goes through his giant list of his favorite movies, and Mad Max Fury Road is is one of them. It's like, well, all right, this this is a way to try out, you know, Dan had just gotten like a 4k projector. It was this big old thing. It's like, you know what, if I'm going to experience a movie in the theaters, kind of like I always wanted to, uh, I would, I would want to do Mad Max Fury Road. So it was just me and Dan watching this movie together. And it was great. It was amazing. I've never seen an action movie quite like this before. Nothing else has this sort of style and sort of pacing and just this many cars. I love it. Uh, that's, I, I don't have much nostalgia except a year long, but that's my first impression of Mad Max. Mike, where, where are you at with Fury Road? So I'm trying, I've been trying to remember like who I saw this movie with. I, I know it wasn't Vito, but I went to go see it when it came out in theaters. And it was right before my wedding. Uh, and so like, that was, this was a good baseline for me in understanding like relationships between men and women. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> I was really, I was really hoping it would be, <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was like a month before my wedding. And I think I went out with a guy I was living with at the time. How inappropriate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, cause you were getting married, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and we just like, I just, it blew me away. This movie is incredible. It's, you know, like you said, it's incredible stunts. And I, I'd seen the original Mad Max years and years ago with my friend, um, my friend Henry uh, at his house. And it was like kind uh, of a, a brute, which like, if you know Henry, it makes sense. Another, he's also a big fan of the Terminator and those sorts of things. But those I, sorts of things. Yeah, like <laughs> 80s action movies. 80s action movies. I don't know. Um, but uh, but so it was kind of like a brutal movie. And I, I left it being like, I thought this was going to be about like, like fun things like good guys killing bad guys, not about like the the fine line between being a good guy and a bad guy and like the impending apocalypse or the just happened apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so that was sort of on my mind. I hadn't seen it in years when this came out. And just from like from the word go, this movie is freaking badass, man. 
like he's standing there on top of the on top of the cliff side and he just like slurps up a lizard like what the <laughs> what if yeah first <laughs> he stomps on it as soon yeah. as it comes close to him and you're just like oh all right all right that's a weird two-headed lizard that he just killed it's incredible yeah and it's just what like he, it's what does he it, say my, my, my world is fire and blood <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible it's amazing it just like it goes from the from the word go it just starts going a thousand miles an hour and it doesn't stop and i thought it was amazing blew my mind uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a little bit of depth to it as well. It's not just um, it's not just an action movie. And that's like, I don't mean that. That sounds bad. I don't mean it's not just an action movie. It's but not only it's, it's not, not only, only an action, an action movie or maybe there's something new to it, uh, something new that it's doing um, that's very unexpected. I feel like I felt like it was unexpected when I saw it. So I it's, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. I've only seen it that time and now. So the nostalgia, I don't know if I'd call it nostalgia, but I I love this movie. This movie is incredible. Um, and I think a lot of people probably agree with me. Vito, yeah. what about you? Do you have any any love for Mad Max Fury Road? I, I do. I really do. Um, oh, weird. As far as, yeah. As far as the first time I saw it, it was uh, the night of, I think it's my wife's graduation from college. We were at a party and we decided to leave the party and it, her brothers were there at the party with us, her two brothers. I think it was, am I doing three of her brothers? And How many brothers the party, are there? Four. Okay. But it, I just couldn't remember if it was two or three because it's like the, the youngest one obviously wouldn't have been it, but there's one in the middle. Anyway. 75% um, of your, your future of her, brother of her brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and we were we were engaged at this time. We bounced from the party. A couple blocks away was a theater showing Mad Max Fury Road. And and we just didn't want to be at the party anymore. It was like, you guys just want to go see this movie? I think it was like the the weekend after it opened. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. And I was really excited for this movie. I'd shown my wife, Jill, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, because that one's a lot easier to digest. And it's just frankly, I just, I don't know, it's better than Mad Max. <laughs> And I showed her that one, and she was like, "That was that's awesome, that's so cool." And I was like, "It is, it's, it's fucking rules." So I was just ready to see this movie, but I was, I gotta say this, and you know what? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this into a, a side. I'm gonna throw a sidebar into my nostalgia. Yeah. Okay. Sidebar. The way I'd originally phrased this question was: Is uh, is this the most? Is this the grossest, most successful movie? Is this the most successful gross movie? A uh, hundred fifty million dollar budget around making around 375 million. But the way I think I'd rather phrase this is, is it surprising that a movie that is this grotesque was so successful? Is that a better way to phrase that? Because on the one hand, it seems like I'm asking for an example. On the other hand, I'm just asking a question. If it wasn't this movie, it yeah, it would be surprising. But this movie is incredible. So it's not surprising. Do you see what I mean? Like, no, yes, because it's surprising t- that because, it's, it's, yeah. because the Gray Man, which cost two hundred million dollars at Netflix, has already been greenlit for a sequel, uh, um, and it's super violent, uh, and it's not good, and yet it still somehow works. So I think the argument's invalid, Mike. Well, no, but I mean, like that's a movie that everyone watched at home, right? Like that's something. Like this is a movie that made what three seventy five box office, right? Those yeah. are people who paid like 15 bucks to go and sit in a theater for several most hours. People, in a public most way. people pay $15 a month for Netflix, which they saw the gray man on. Yeah. But it, 
I feel like comparing, I don't know. I think, I feel like comparing box office to like what you watch in the comfort of your home isn't really fair. You see, I wouldn't either accept that I know of no marketable data that you can point to <laughs> that would prove <laughs> that there's any difference between those two things. Uh, and that's, that's what I wanted to ask about though, is like, this is, this is gross, right? I mean, like we see a baby like get taken out of a, a dying yeah, woman and lot. then, and that then it's lot. dead. And you see, it's like this little feet. And like it, this is a gnarly, this is a hard R-rated movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and it makes a lot of money, but it's not like top 10 kind of money. Like there are sure. some gross movies in the top, like 200 top grossing movies of all time. Like, maybe like sh- Logan, shout out. Logan is the most notable. Maybe like, I guess I Am Legend can be kind of gross sometimes. That's PG-13 uh, though, right? Is that PG-13? I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. I thought I it was pretty it was hard when I was like a teenager watching that in theaters. Yeah, there are some, I guess, nothing like a real hard R, though. Joker. And... Joker is the 34th mm. highest grossing film of all time. That's 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 pretty hard R. Yeah. They got those, they got those F words in there. <laughs> so... I mean, like, okay, but, but this is like post-apocalyptic <laughs> hard R. Like, there are... Several of the main characters mm-hmm. are like, you know, they're they're disgusting. Like the dude's got what does he yeah. call his uh, his his growths? He's got like names for his growth. Oh, yeah, and he's the got tumors. smiley yeah. faces drawn on them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and this does make a lot of money, but it still doesn't even crack the top the top two hundred. And I feel like this has the quality of a movie that should. So maybe if it was actually less oh, yeah. gross, it might have actually cracked it. I mean that that's kind it of probably it probably would have there's a yeah. there's a small note on the Wikipedia page that there is actually a PG thirteen version of this movie they they test screened both and no one liked the PG thirteen version so the studio <laughs> actually opted to air George Miller's R rated one incredible thank you right because this is this um, is a gamble like you don't do it, it's a hundred like how much I want to look this up how expensive was John Wick three which as far as I know is like the most expensive, like hard R rated action movie recently. Right. Yeah. I, I will Sorry, bear, bear with me. The, this. Okay. Interwebs. John wick three budget, 75 million box office, 327. So for a hundred to $130 million less, it almost equaled Mad Max Fury road. Okay. So there's precedent. There's precedent for this. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like, okay. So do you mean when you say gross, you mean violent or do you mean like, uh, grotesque. I say, I say grotesque, but there's stuff in John Wick three that is grotesque. Yeah. I mean, I I normally think of, but I think sometimes you can kind of label movies as gross as that, which would possibly uh, as that, which would make somebody like want to turn away and hard violence definitely does that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But but I feel like gross is more expansive than like the way that the way that I'm using it. It's not aspect. The way I'm using it in my question, it's not. Okay. Oh, okay. In the real world, it is. Anyway, I just wanted I just wanted to just like maybe start making that that uh, foray into that conversation because I don't know this world, especially Mike, when you're talking about this maybe being deep. I think a lot of it has to do with the world, and I kind of wanted to start to seed it early while also asking a silly question. But sidebar ended. And then also in my nostalgia, mm-hmm. I walked out. I did not like this movie very much. Wait, I really? I was very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. 
because I think because I just saw it with with my fiance and then her family, who I didn't know very well. It's again crazy violent <laughs> and pretty gross. Um, and especially with like the all the breast milk imagery and the dead baby and it's just like it, and the it, everything of it. Yeah, the Actually, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also remembering why I didn't see this at the time. And now that you're talking about like when it came out, I just realized this was like a month before I got married. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like, I think when I was uh, asking Isaac, like, all right, what is it about? And I heard something about like women and, and like, they were, <laughs> they were like making milk and slaves. Like, Oh, not something I want to take the fiance to. Yeah. Like, uh, when I'm also poor and uh, and we're about to get married, we just don't have like the headspace for this right now. That's yeah. that's not what we want to think about. Absolutely, and it was weird. It was well, it was weird for me. My wife enjoyed it. Uh, well, my my fiance at the time enjoyed it. Her whole family really enjoyed it. I was the only one that was like, "That was weird. It was weird. It was weird." <laughs> really heavy. <laughs> I am cringing. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, so no, I didn't like it at first. I just admired. I knew it was good. And it was actually only this time around, which is my second time watching this movie, that I can say that I really love this. Oh, Wait, cool. really? We've I all that... only wow. seen this movie two times. Yeah, amazing. Um, no, but Mike, in over the years, like I've always liked things about the movie, but the movie as a whole kind of grossed me out. But I've always kind of just kept that separate from what I've talked about this movie because I was dealing with it and trying to figure it out on my own. Yeah, um, yeah. And now that now that I've been made to watch this movie again, and now we're going to talk about it, now I'm like, all right, I'm revealing this long-held turmoil of the last seven years. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. I, I always <laughs> thought that you were like a diehard fan of Mad Max Fury Road. and, and uh, Road Warrior. Road Warrior a little bit more than, than Fury Road, actually. Um, I really love Road Warrior. Well, Road Warrior is an excellent movie. Yeah. But then just to transition then, with that, with that in mind, uh, when slash if I'm going to show this to our kids here, uh, yes. I, I, yeah. Yeah. But, I, I will. I will show them one day when they are older teenagers. I feel like this is a sort of movie that when, like, I'll wait to show it to them till they tell me they've seen it or something like it, and then I'm like, all right, we're gonna watch this movie like once a week for the rest of our lives, something <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> What, what else falls in the category? What What is something like it? <laughs> yeah, what is something like no Mad Max Fury Road? Saw Saving Private Ryan. We're like, all right, well, now we can watch Mad Max. That's <laughs> now great. we can. <laughs> I, Maybe, I honestly, I think I've got if no a idea. future movie comes out and it's like also a post-apocalyptic, like road rage action movie that involves Mother's Milk, then then you're like, oh yeah, that reminds me of another movie. <laughs> reminds me of another movie I saw a while ago. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, just like a kind of a hyper. I don't know. I would feel weird showing my daughters this like hyper violent movie at any time before they're like fully adults. You know, like yeah. this is this is. I I think this is an awesome movie, but it's also like kind of a like hard R like and kind of a hard one to. Maybe I'm being. Well, I, I guess uh. one thing that would make me kind of hesitant is like it, it. I mean, these women are sex slaves, basically. They're yeah. Yeah. they're kind of the stars of the show. And so it's weird to want to show that to your daughter. 
but at the same time, they end up having like tons of character, especially Furiosa, oh, who yeah. is very distinct from them. And because of her and her alone, I would I would be okay showing this to my daughter, to saying like, "Hey, here's someone who can survive in this sort of world," and it's uh, and she can be juxtaposed to Tom Hardy playing, you know, Mad Max, a guy who's just bent on survival, and her who's just who's not only about survival, but about saving people. And and those two characters juxtaposed to each other makes for a very dynamic, interesting story that I think rises above like uh, the, the simple sex slave narrative. That was very well said. I, I think that like, yeah, the, the, the women in this is why I would want to show it to them. Um, and like that sort of like the story, the story of this, but like, it's just, it's freaking gross, man. Like, I don't know. I just, like, images from this movie are, are emblazoned on my mind from seven years ago still, you know? And, like, I, that's hard to say, like, I want to do that to my children as well. In a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's more yeah, that. Because... It's more, and it's not even, like, the yeah. violence. It's just the grotesqueness of the uh what are they called like the the albinos like do they have a name the war boys boys. the war boys yeah the The war boys yeah and like the same things that make it like really fascinating and attractive like this movie like really fascinating to think about like this combination of like all these weird sort of pagan religions and and things like that like that's freaking awesome but it's also like it's a little like i don't know if I don't know. I'm just thinking about like my my five year old daughter is like, I don't know if I want to introduce yeah. her to that world of, of weirdness, you know? Yeah, because it's also a particular world of weirdness that that falls under the realm of like extreme male dreamland. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, they're talking about like riding in, in the cars in the streets of Valhalla. Uh, yeah. Something about that is incredibly like it just screams toxic masculinity. Right. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I almost don't want to reveal that to my daughter, that, that, that lies within, within me to a little, to a certain extent. Like, I think that's kind of cool and awesome, but also just like really gross and grotesque, but I'm still attracted to it. And it's, it's also like, uh, yeah, that, that part is really hard to, to share, but maybe it's, I kind of like that it's juxtaposed with 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 Furiosa and and her trying to do something genuinely good and and showing these you know violence crazed war boys as something very bad. And because that exists, I think uh because I think that morality is shown in this movie, I I feel okay showing it. But uh yeah, the the sheer grotesqueness of it and the the fact that this can exist as like a male fantasy is kind of gross. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I, I will also agree later, later years. I think that your point is well taken, Jesse, but also your point is well taken, Mike. And I think that, I think this one is really, I, I don't like to say that there's a wrong answer. I don't like to tell people that I think that there's a wrong way to parent. There is a wrong way to parent. And I think that's showing this movie to any kid that's less than 12 years old. I think that's the wrong way to parent. <laughs> there's there's too much going on in this. Um, and it's, there's too much like very, very shocking and very violent imagery. I mean, even just Jesse, we were talking about the the bullet farmer. 
right? I mean, he's just, he's just driving in the fog, just bleeding out his eyes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say older than twelve, and uh, there's a lot going on here. But this is, I think, when we talked about categories for what makes a dad movie a dad movie, we definitely talked about this is a movie that dad is watching, <laughs> and I think that this falls ensconced firmly in that camp is that dad is watching this like you come out at night like dad what is that he's like go to bed get out of here it's fury road you can watch it when you're older <laughs> exactly and the kids are like oh and then they like talk about it with their siblings and like make up what they think it's about yeah it's like, it becomes like a legend in their minds definitely you know you know what's cool about this movie is if you tell your children you're watching a movie called mad max fury road I don't think they can come up with anything more wild than the movie actually is. <laughs> That's probably true. Won't even touch it. Like, what? What? <laughs> what does that mean? Is the road angry? What kind of mad? <laughs> and then is it is it Mad Maximum? Is that his name? Is it like it's know. going his... to the max? Mad to the max on the Fury Road? And then I. I will say yes. Yes, it is. They're mad. It's all of those on the things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. Which actually kind of leads me in, into my favorite scene here. So I've picked, it's it, the scene that I remembered weirdly the most out of this whole movie, besides for the, the sandstorm. I'm leaving the sandstorm alone. The one I'm picking is actually the fight between um, Max, Nooks, and then all the wives and Imperator Furiosa. When he comes upon them, so they they get in this big crash, right? According to the movie, after the the sandstorm, and then Max is lugging the car door, his manacle, and Nux over his shoulder, and he gets to the war rig where the wives are are cleaning themselves off, spraying off all the sand, and you know he he's kind of a beast at this point. Max Rockatansky doesn't have much to say, a lot of grunting and pointing with his gun. Um, he's still got the mask the- on. I love this scene so much because it cuts like every two seconds, but it cuts in ways that just make sense and that highlight a specific feature. It's like, this is where he trips. This is where he falls. This is what he's looking at. This is what's happening to him. Like it's the, probably the most coherent action scene that is not just a one take action scene that I've ever seen in my life. It is so precisely and beautifully edited that you know exactly what's happening every second of the, the scene. It's wonderful. It's also the only hand-to-hand fight sequence that we get in the movie. And I like that he deliberately went out of his way to have this like huge group fight uh, versus Max. Um, I-, I love this scene a lot. I- I- I've actually seen that scene multiple times because I've watched it on YouTube and like watched breakdowns of how the editor went back and forth and back and forth. They, they look like comic panels. They look like storyboard frames. You know, It looks like all this was done on this giant obsessive Charlie Day wall right <laughs> and there's George <laughs> like pointing and smoking but it, it it's perfect i think it's perfection but what do you guys think of this scene oh it's incredible yeah yeah and like the, like just the uh the difficulties or whatever that he's he's shackled with throughout the whole thing and it's kind of all like it, it's all like predicated on him like having a gun that doesn't work yeah and they think it does like that's just it's it's incredible it's it's really fun that way too like on top of yeah. it being like in, in masterfully created and crafted as as like as a scene it's also like i don't know the the action the way they crafted that is very cool yeah i think i think part of what makes this a masterful action movie is that 
at, at all times it doesn't land in this like it's such an outlandish world that we're introduced to but the physics of it and how it all works is very predictable so you can get really like that's what makes action scenes like really um that's what makes you able to invest in in action scenes a lot is is when you understand what the stakes are and like if somebody has like you know an otherworldly like exploding stick in their hand and it makes things it makes cars explode when it's chucked at something you know what that does like that's just such a like so many parts uh so many so many ways in, in which this movie is filmed, it, it has a very like linear, linear way of like showing you how the action is unfolding and happening and what exactly is occurring, like very physically, uh, to make it very clear what the stakes are, what you should be invested in at that moment, to make every action scene in here very riveting. So yeah, I I love almost every scene in this movie. What's up? What's what's your favorite scene, Jesse? Then. Since you love so many, you I mean, choose. I, I so the the one that's always stuck with me probably the most is probably when Max is like in in a weird fight with the uh, with the guitar guy. At first, <laughs> I just love the guitar guy. I love the, the fact uh, that he's a thing. Like he's the doof warrior. The doof <laughs> warrior. That's right. The doof warrior. He's, he's blowing flames through his electric guitar, and he's constantly there playing their theme. And then Max just gets in a crazy fight with them, and and he's flying through the air. And then at the same time, there are these guys like on these sticks, right on the giant sticks, like coming into the war rig, and they are very. Like I, I love the impact of these people because like you it's they're like taking time bombs, right? They're like swinging to the right, and then when they swing to the left, it's like, oh, you know, they're gonna like get to the war rig this time. And the stakes are like I I I love the the pole people. Their stakes are so clear. I think they're pole, such they're, a cool they're called concept. the pole cats. Oh, they're called the pole cats? That's what they're yeah. actually called. I, I think pretty sure because I watched it with the subtitles on. All right, Polecats are amazing. Uh, Polecats and and the electric guitar guy are my favorite part of this movie. I have a hard time pointing out favorite scenes because they all kind of like blur together for me, except when I'm watching it. When I'm watching it, it's very clear, but thinking about it afterwards, like I, I have a hard time figuring out what's happening in this movie. But those particular people and, and the impact that they made in, on those scenes were, were really cool and yeah, uh, I'm gonna say that whole sequence at the end with uh, with the guy in the electric guitar and the pole cats are my favorite. Nice. Um, I'm just gonna read to you from the uh, the Mad Max uh, wiki under uh, the Doof Warrior, whose name is actually Coma Hyphen Doof Warrior. Um, he is a blind guitarist. Um, this is a pull quote from the page. Leading us into battle was Coma the Doof Warrior. Blind since birth, Coma wore a mask made from the dried skin of his murdered mother's screaming face. His fire-breathing weapon played the music of mayhem. It whipped us into a bloody battle rage. Wow! So this—that's about as metal as you're gonna—you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess uh, Iota came up with this background. There's two different backstories. So George Miller's version is that he lived in an abandoned mine with his mother. He survived by eating rodents and drinking water from the seabed. And Morton Joe came past, heard him playing guitar, 
took him in. From there, he rose to the position of Bulger, calling everyone to war. Sorry, Bugler. And then Iota said his own one was, he was a child musical prodigy brought up in a happy environment by his mother, who was a musician herself. Then Coma and his mother were attacked. His mother was dragged away, and days later, someone dropped her head in Coma's lap. And Morton Joe found Coma clinging to the head of his mother. Joe took him in. Yeah, and that he uh, he sliced his mother's face off and made his mask. Because he loved her so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thus the Vikings would say, right? Like, that that's a pretty Viking thing to do. I don't want to discriminate against Vikings, but like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, I don't wow. even know if Amleth would do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's in the story of Leif Erikson. <laughs> the story I tell my kids, at least. <laughs> yeah, he cut off his mother's face because he loved her so much. And, and, she was uh, and it was like a leaf on his face. So they're like, you're a leaf. <laughs> that is sometimes how ancient people seem to give people nicknames though you're like really it's like five steps to get to there huh. uh mike what is your favorite scene in this movie i think my favorite scene is actually like the whole opening sequence i love especially the chase through like the uh the bowels of the um the war boys you know fortress or whatever that is there i i love that uh max is just like scrambling to get away like an animal um and we're getting flashes of of this of his daughter it seems like or some girl who who uh he let die somehow um or at least he's blaming himself for for killing and um it's just it's an amazing like like just the physicality of the scene, the way that he's constantly like he's he's scrambling over people and using everything in his way. Like you get a sense of who Max is at that moment. That's all we need to understand who this guy is. And the rest of the movie, we're able to focus on like developing other characters almost exclusively. And we we discover an empathetic, terrifying. Yeah, like like someone that you're a little afraid of, but also like kind of you feel for um, just immediately. And it's really fun. It's a really fun chase scene. Um, he's just like knocking people down. There's water. He almost flies off, off the edge. Like it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's an incredible opening. Like it's an incredible opening to this crazy movie. I, I love when he finds it. Cause like you think he's in like some underground cavern yeah. when he's in this chase sequence and then he opens up a door and you realize he's like 100, 200 feet in the air. Um, like this is all in some giant like butte, right? That's this all been built in there. And that's like that's even more dangerous. That's even crazier than being underground. Like you are in a place that you literally can't leave or else you will die. And I mean, like the whole movie does. It's just like you have expectations of how an action movie is going to go. An action movie called like Mad Max Fury Road. You're like, oh, okay, like he's underground. He's going to try to get away and he's not going to be able to escape. And that's what happens. But the way it happens is so unexpected. And so just like it's like a child's imagination almost like the whole movie is a child's imagination of what this would be like and then making it real, like making it actually happen on screen. Uh, it's, It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and that that sets your expectations and it lives up to those expectations throughout the rest of the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that opening sequence, especially acting as kind of like a like a shot to the heart. 
he starts on a, on a slow kind of weird surreal note, right? With the, with the odd color correction, Max standing there, the car, it, it, it looks hotter than like anything you've seen, but it also looks poisoned. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of like, Ooh, and then you got Tom Hardy talking down low <laughs> and you you feel the sense of unease. And then when he's you, the, the score also junkie XL, Tom Holkenberg doing the music for this is just, is, is some incredible stuff. Oh yeah. Um, that he does. And that, the, that sense of dread that he builds when they're marching Max, you know, to the tower, right? That wham, wham. You're like, oh, oh no! It feels, it feels gross. And then he's getting the tattoo, and it's actually really yeah. interesting. If you pause, you can read a bunch of stuff on his back. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it kind of helps with some of the lingo, uh, some designated stuff that they refer to later. Actually, I, I love, I love that he gets all the way out. You know, and then he keeps swinging back and forth and they're fighting. He's trying to kick him off and they finally hook him and they bring him in and just him like struggling. And I think George Miller's a kind of a master at, at this where he he definitely fast forwards, like he speeds up the action, you know, by like two times, but he doesn't do it for a sustained bit. He'll do it for like he'll pulse it, you know, like two seconds, three seconds, just enough for you to feel kind of kind of uncomfortable at the speed. Right, like panicky, like this, like this seems like primal survival. And there's just moments mm-hmm. where, like Tom Hardy's flailing his arms, where it really felt like he hit the two time button. Yeah, uh, yeah but it was good. I agree with that. And yeah. and you could never have, you could never act that fast, right? It's like when you're watching. Remember when we watched the Raid two last year, mm-hmm. and uh, there's the scene where he's punching the wall, <laughs> and you know, very clearly at a certain moment, that's got to be fast forwarded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I just, I wanted to point that out about that scene that I loved so much is that the yeah. unpredictable speed. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, I love how the speed in this movie is never at the expense of knowing for the audience sake like what's going on. Um, I always feel like I have a very clear sense of place, of what people are feeling, of of where we are in the story. And none of that is sacrificed by either like a really overly long slow motion shot or like a sped up shot or like a weird cut. It's all pretty perfect. Is there any slow-mo in this movie? Yes, but it's not artificial slow-mo. I think it's in-camera slow-mo where they, where they slow it down. There's some high speed photography stuff. Very, very little. It's only like when someone's like coming up. Yeah, I, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. I remember I know what you a mean. couple cars yeah. flipping over in slow mo. Yeah, because yeah. it's because it's awesome. <laughs> and that was so cool. Yeah, but they <laughs> but, but called but it mediocre. Like the... So yeah, <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> what uh, is me? <laughs> I, what's funny is I was reminded of this movie. I was watching um, earlier this week because I was sick. I was just watching random movies. And so my wife and I watched uh, a fish called Wanda for the first time. Hmm. Really funny movie. It's got like uh, John Cleese, Kevin Klein. Uh, what's what's uh, true lies. Freaky Friday. Lindsay Lohan. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you. Jamie Lee Curtis. Who's very young. And Michael Palin. Like some Monty Python guys. Basically like a bunch of petty crooks are trying to get steal this thing. It's really, it's really great. But I love. They, uh, sorry, I love that you said Freaky Friday, and me and Mike both said like the opposite actor. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. At a certain point, some diamonds that they're stealing end up in a safe. Some other guys backtrack to double cross the guys to get the diamonds. 
They go, they open the safe, there's nothing. And the first thing that, that the character says is, disappointed <laughs> and it really made me think of Mad Max because of just the, just it's so insulting if you do something you're really proud of and someone's just like mediocre <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I, I can't believe they say judged. it to the guy who like sacrificed himself yeah who died with like the exploding stick and he explodes the car but I think somebody else came along and also helped that I think that's why they call him mediocre yes. yeah he didn't he didn't own it all the way but it's like, I don't also, know. I, he still wouldn't have exploded if it wasn't for him. The war boy that says that is the really shitty one that tries to take Nux's steering wheel. So I think we're just supposed to hate that guy. Okay. He's the one who's really mediocre. No Valhalla for him. Yeah, that guy. That guy's the definition of mid. Yeah, <laughs> definition of mid. Well, everyone, that that's going to do it for me for this episode. Uh, pardon me for ducking out on you, but... Uh, I will talk to you soon. I'm going to go uh, join Dan and be sick somewhere. <laughs> Ride to Valhalla, shiny and chrome. <laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, take care. So, I, Jesse, I had kind of a question about um, about Max Rokitansky. Um, mm-hmm. And he's kind of a weird, like, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but I, I thought he's kind of like a weird protagonist, right? Like he's not really, at least he didn't seem like a normal protagonist to me. I wanted to kind of talk about that, about that a little bit. I don't know how to set up this question. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk about that in, in, uh, (laughs) well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it too, because he is a little different. He is also very, in some ways he's very similar though. He's pretty familiar. Um, the guy who just wants to survive, he, he just wants to survive with the slightly troubled past. I mean, that, that is basically all the John Wick movies in some ways. Um, like a guy put in a situation where the only thing you're rooting for is just a survival. Like, I, I don't think that's the unexpected part for me. What, what was unexpected was realizing that there is a higher motive uh, it seems like with these action movies there, there's like, uh, I don't know, motives of excellence to some degree. Like you can have like pretty base motives, like, oh, the guy just wants to survive. He, he just wanted to make it through and that's it. That's all we're looking for for Max. But then we also realize that this is like uh, a slave ring mission, right? We're trying to make sure that the wives of a Morton Joe make it to the green place. Yeah. And suddenly that that changes and what's weird, I think that the thing that really makes it weird is like if this is if this had been like Keanu Reeves from Speed, he would have been instantly on board with helping get those girls to the green place. What's weird is that our protagonist Mad Max is still just in it for himself and is still pointing a gun at Furiosa the whole time. And Suddenly, uh, I think the the wants of the audience have diverged from the wants of the protagonist. Yeah, that's a really great point. That's a really good way to put it. It's that, well, because yeah, like you said, like this setup, it's sta- it's a standard setup. It's a standard action movie setup. It's a cowboy setup, right? Like a stranger rolls into town, and uh, he's just trying to do his own thing, and then in a certain way, like 
he just sort of like gets wrapped up in what's going on in the town and he tries to get away. But Max has gotten to a point in this movie where he's like, he has almost no humanity. And so it's like, he's not, he doesn't get wrapped into the other people's shit. He's just trying to leave. That's all he's trying to do. But then, but then, like you said, like it takes a lot of effort and, and a lot of change for him to, to join in on the quest. And, and when he does, you're like, you're wholeheartedly behind him. And you're like, what took you so long to catch up to what I wanted you to do from the very beginning? Yeah. Um, so it's really satisfying when he, when he finally says like, he's gonna, he's gonna join. In fact, they got to go back to where yeah, they when were. He rides out on the bike to where they are. Yeah. And you see the, him go full circle to the point where it's just like you, you just spent the entire movie trying to escape these guys just to live. And now you are running back. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like there's something interesting that happens too with the change in Max, because rather than being from like, Oh, I'm a bad guy going to a good guy. It's like, Oh, I'm an animal going to a human in a certain way. But at yeah. the same time, like, and, and so like up until, up until the moment of that change sort of beginning, cause it starts to begin like, is it, doesn't it start to begin when they're on like the when they go into the past and stuff like he starts to be more than just trying to get away like he's he's mm-hmm. like tries to like save people and not just like throw them out and stuff. It feels like there's almost like a passing off of the role of the protagonist in this movie to Furiosa um, as she like she draws him back to like being a, a human again and then like sort of takes takes the ball and runs with it and he has to come back to help him but i it's not quite like this cut and dry but i, I always felt like she like the movie almost does this passing off of that role to her yeah um, which is strange like it's an odd i don't know how often i've seen that yeah, I don't I think know. I've ever seen that before. That that was a very peculiar moment. I, I think it has to do with what I was saying before with uh, like the wants of the audience. Like you want exactly what Furiosa wants. You want yeah. all the all the wives to be free and to be treated as humans and not objects. And and I think the moment that she becomes the protagonist, um, and it's it's the moment where where she has like the uh do you remember when like all of her fellow like green place women are doing this ritual for when somebody dies and it's like they're catching air. Yeah. And she suddenly realizes that, that that's her heritage. And so she does it too. And she has like a a pink smile on her face for whatever reason. That's when I was like, Oh, that's you're the main character. Now you're the one I care about. You have something that you found and now you can't lose it. And you have a drive and a goal still, um, whereas whereas Max kind of doesn't. And then he gains it right afterwards when you, when you realize that he has an, an ability to for redemption. She, he has an ability to gain the redemption that Furiosa has just attained in some ways by by going back to where she was. Yeah. Uh, and so like, but when when she's like dying in the back of the war rig, and he's there trying to save her, it's like. I, of course, Max is the hero in the moment, but Furios is the one you care about. You don't even care if Max dies at that point in the movie. He could be dead. 
Yeah, just, but it would it would just break you if she died. Like if she died, like what would you do if Furiosa didn't live through that through the movie? Like that would be would be very difficult. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah, she's the heart and soul of it. And I, I think that is something that I've never truly seen in, in a movie where I, I guess, like you were saying, the the torch of the protagonist is passed from one to another. And you realize, I, I realize now, like, why the, the next movie has to be called Furiosa. These are not Mad Max movies anymore. He's gone. There's nothing yeah. more to let, really say about that guy. Yeah, I think they do have another Mad Max in the in the hopper after Furiosa. They they he signed an agreement for three movies, but Furiosa is the next one. It'd be cool if he shows up as an Easter yeah. egg in Furiosa. Yeah, he's so like who who is like why is Max an interesting like he's a really interesting person or like I don't know I guess you haven't seen the the other the other ones but like he's Not a really interesting he, so. Uh, well, I, I feel right, like he's he's kind of like a man with no name, but like for post-apocalyptic like Australia or world or whatever. He's kind he, of an interesting, like a weird. Like there's something normal about the man with no name because he's like the right, like from the dollars trilogy because mm-hmm. he's a cowboy and like he's a normal human being and the world hasn't fallen apart. And he's sort of like morally ambiguous, but he comes in and he does the good thing. But like. Max is a perfect morally ambiguous character for a post-apocalyptic, like hard R-rated world too. It's cool to pat. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So is the Max in in the other movies? Is he also just like kind of troubled by his past, or is that when his family is murdered? Yeah, he's a little bit more like silly in a way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Like. Uh, so in the first one, it's before the world, before the apocalypse, but the world is falling apart and uh, he's a cop. And then uh, in the second one and like, yeah, I mean, he's haunted by their ghosts, but less so. Okay. It's not it's not like the same sort of thing. It's definitely not like sort of the horrific, like shocking, uh, like schizophrenic um like appearance of the people that he's lost. Nothing like that. But there is sort of like a, a unified person. I mean, that, that makes sense if you're so in, in Fury road, like it's kind of from the get go kind of seems like almost a side character in some ways. Right. Cause I, I think I realized pretty quickly into this, in the, into the story that like this guy doesn't have enough going on for me to like really care what happens next. Like, like if you're, if you're going to focus on somebody for survival, then you want them to survive for a reason other than for the sake of living. Yeah. Um, at least for a story that that's what I normally get hooked onto. And so when I was watching this story, it was like, you don't have much going on for you. You're living for the sake of living. And that's kind of it. And that yeah, is, that's uh, a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's not the, I guess that's not the sort of stuff that true protagonists are made out of. True protagonists have like an ulterior motive that they're really working for, and he doesn't have it. And that's a weird protagonist to start the movie out with. Yeah, that definitely, that's definitely true. I, 
I mean, I think it's kind of interesting too to turn this sort of like brand on its head or whatever. Like the guy like comes into town and like he doesn't want to do anything for anybody, and then he gets like he ends up having a heart of gold or whatever. But to make it be like this guy is not the main character in any way. The main character isn't like isn't the cowboy. It's like the it's the women. It's like the um, imperator furiosa, not imperator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess the question that I had been wanting to ask is, like, what kind of separates this out from all the other action movies? And uh, I think we did kind of answer it in, in a weird way. It's, it's kind of Furiosa and, and the women because they start acting as a protagonist when you didn't see them coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, they totally. Really, yeah, and so they give the, the heart and soul to the movie, and then, like, Max is, like, the engine that's driving it but they are the, they're the destination. They're the reason why you care what's going to happen next. Max is the war rig. Max is the war rig and, and Furious is just driving him. There you go. Dude, I was going to say, like, the point where I realized, like, Furiosa was a real character was when, it, like, he's not able to drive the car. And, like, there's all the switches and shit that she has to do. Like, I was like, oh, Wait, this character is more than just like, you know, a heavy. Like I thought, like there's there's movies with like, you know, like the awesome mm-hmm. badass like but then like when she's yeah, when she has to flip all the kill switches to get it going, like that was cool. Yeah, yeah I agree. and I love the I love the reasoning for her having to explain it because her drive, the reason why she's driving this rig is she needs to get these women out. She does not care about herself. And that is the stuff of a true protagonist, unlike Max, who only cares about himself. And uh, yeah, that that switch is brilliant. And I I guess I also explained that I I love this as an action movie because uh, not only does it have this heart, um, but also like it makes everything very clear and you become very invested in this action. And uh, like, I don't think this is the deepest movie ever. But my goodness, like I, I get really invested in just wanting the women to escape. I want them to have a home somewhere, right? Yeah. I, I oh, want yeah. to know that there's an ability for them to to exist outside of being somebody's like baby making machines. Man, when Morton Joe died, like I fully jumped out of my chair and was like, yes. You know, like that was I was by myself. It was like one o'clock in the morning and I was watching this movie and I jumped out of my chair and woke up my family because it was so great. (laughs) (laughs) That's great because he's he is a great villain. Yeah, because he's so weak and the facade is so, so stupid and yet kind of kind of intimidating. And it's just everything about him is just makes for a great weak awful disgusting villain that's true a- another thing that i thought was really interesting though with the villains like they're disgusting and they're evil and there's also something that you can sort of like understand about it as well like these like he's figured out a way to pump water up from the ground and like he wants to uh like rebuild society or something like that. And you're so, like, oh, well, that makes sense. And like, he's like, oh, I want my children. That's beautiful. And then, and then it's like, oh, wait, no, not the way he wants it. 
Like he is yeah. real fucked up. Like that is a real fucked up dude. So I, I do get the water thing, but then he's also using like conspiracy theories about like <laughs> water addiction and yeah. this, you know, pagan Norse religion in order to control people. Uh, yeah. And so, so yes, that makes sense. But like, oh, that kind of makes him grosser. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, totally. Like, no, I, I'm just saying like you can you can emp- like they do a good job of like somehow getting you to empathize a little bit with someone who I would never expect to be able to like a good villain to me is someone where you're like, oh, whoa, I can see where the things mm. went wrong. I can see how they would have gone wrong too. like you start every good guy. Every bad guy started off as a babe as as like a good as a good guy. Everyone starts off good, mm-hmm. but like at one point they make a turn and you can see that you can be like, oh, I see. He has like normal, like, like he wants to have a family and stuff. Right. But, but this isn't a good way to have a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a good way. I do like that the movie does, uh, does try to build on that on, on the normal impulses by kind of like showing you his current sons. And like one of them is just really, really dumb. And, and the other is kind of deformed. Yeah. He, he just wants, he just wants a healthy baby. Yeah. And, and that is, you know, as a dad, that is clearly something I, I can understand. And even, even with his whole twisted empire, like I, I understand why he wants to pass that on to somebody because he's built his whole life. He's, he's spent his whole life like building this, and he just wants to give it to his to his prodigy, to his children. And yeah, as a dad, I, I do understand that. That is a that is a very human thing for how gross he is. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I do understand Morton Joe a little bit more than I want to. Yeah, way more than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, really glad when he died. When when a bunch of people died in this movie, oh. especially and the bullet farmer. His is another is another death, kind of like Speed, where it just happens really quickly. It's like, oh, yeah. he's gone now. That's great. We don't need to dwell on a Morton Joe anymore. Ooh, you know, I really wanted to ask Vito how he felt about that. I'm a little mixed about it. Like, I'm really happy. I was really happy he was dead, but I was also like, could he have died in a cooler way? kind of feel like he could have i i think with the way to build up like the valhalla religion that mm. it almost would have rewarded that that sense a little bit too much like oh yeah with, because you you want the most epic death that you can get right to get to valhalla but he doesn't even get that he doesn't get the the fruits of his fake religion he just dies what is it? He like pulls out the mask thing that he has to wear for oxygen or something like that. Is that? I you know what? To be honest, I don't even remember because it happened so quickly. I thought he gets shot. I, I will caveat this by saying I was really sick when I was watching this, and I was <laughs> falling asleep at this moment. I was like, "How could you oh, fall asleep in this movie?" What? <laughs> I guess you must have been very sick. It was like three a.m. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you were making the right decisions when you were sick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. I turned on movies so that I would fall asleep, and so I turned on some 
in my opinion, comforting action movies. And Mad Max <laughs> Fury Road is one of them. And then RRR was the next one. I watched that oh till like goodness. six till like oh five a.m. and then I fell asleep oh for the last gosh. hour. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> incredible! It's incredible. Well, okay. I I feel like there's one more question here. I don't know if we really need to ask it, but I want to I want to ask it because I want to shout out our friend Isaac, and we wanted to ask: Is there more to this movie than meets the eye? Is there any depth, or is this just an action movie um, with some like really interesting changes and and additions to to like sort of this this uh, archetypal sort of figure of the guy who rides into town i don't know what else to call him and like po- I, I don't know is there more to this movie than than that personally i i don't think so um it's funny that we're shouting out isaac because we instantly assume that isaac the poet clearly must love this movie for some for some deep meaning um and and I don't. I don't think this movie really, really has that. I think it's it's great. It knows exactly what it is. It's this big actiony time where cars are blowing up and they're trying to blow each other up, and you have you know uh, uh, electric guitars blasting and blowing fire, and and you have a protagonist who doesn't even turn out to be the protagonist because the real protagonist is Furiosa, who brings so much heart and soul in a way that I've never seen before in the way that I think is truly unique and these action sequences that go on for so long. And you keep on wondering how on earth can cars be so cool? How can they make this interesting like action dance happen? And they keep on doing that somehow. And it's all very clear in a way that I can buy. Unlike say, um, Oh, another movie that I watched that, that night that I got sick was, was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh doctor strange 2 uh, where like i didn't understand anything that was going on ever because i don't understand their powers <laughs> i don't understand the implications of what scarlet witch does versus what doctor strange does or why one is more powerful than another i do not understand their conflict or their fights but i do understand cars blowing up and i understand cars <laughs> throwing grenades and and you know, blow up sticks and bazookas and and giant guns blasting at each other. I know what that looks like, what that does to other machinery, and I see it happen. And it's it's understandable, it's clear, and it's it's somewhat unexpected with the way it, it kind of twists your your emotions around a little bit. I, I'd say that's what that's what I see in this movie. And also I see like a terrible male, male fantasy actually coming to fruition and not quite liking it. And it's showing it, showing it in all it's like ugly ugliness. And yeah, I, I guess that, that, I guess that was to say like, is is there more than meets the eye? I'm not, I'm not sure. I kind of think this movie wears its heart on its sleeve. I think I agree with you. I, I think I completely, I mean, I think I almost completely agree with you. I don't think that this is like, oh, there's all of these like these symbols and images that you have to decrypt to understand like the deep Mm -hmm. root meanings behind Mad Max Fury Road is that like the world is run by the the Fed or something like that. I don't know. But I do think there is like 
like this is an action movie and it's like this hardcore action movie and it's about that and it's about like showing these incredible things and like actually doing it they built most if not all of the cars like it's crazy yeah the amount of stunt people who are in this movie it's nuts there's like books about the insanity of making this movie but i think that what makes it like what makes it as excellent as it is is that the sort of subversive nature of the story but the way that it it doesn't just it's not just subversive for subversive sake. I think it's really tapping mm-hmm. into something very real um, in showing like Max is this sort of like beast and then being turned into someone who cares about, about the world through his relationship with Furiosa and his um, encounter with like, with the women um, returning to the place that they, they mm-hmm. came from. I mean, like there's a, there's sort of like a very, obvious hero's journey like you know you go out yeah and you come back um having changed and like and they're able to take that place that like was uh you know was so corrupt and evil and by just making a small change basically by just taking one person out of the equation um they're able to uh free humanity as far as we know it from like from the shackles of like not having water and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. Well, I think I it's really ha- saying something beautiful about the the need for women um, and how they like. There's a line that's repeated a couple times. What is it? It's like um, who made the world end. It's like men in war trying to survive, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the need for like our wives to help us be um, more than just beasts trying to scramble over one another to get whatever we need to survive, like the need to thrive and to, and to grow. Yeah. I think that that's, it's not like a deep and hidden message, but I think that is a deep truth that um, this wild, disgusting action movie does an excellent job of, of, driving home i i guess you could say the the movie is the age-old question like how can you be human or become human in an inhuman world and and the movie's answer is is it's it's simple um and and also and also timeless which is that you need heart and in this case it seems like women in particular grant heart to a bunch of a bunch of insane men (laughs) yeah and that that i think that's something that that is true and has been true for a long time and something that we don't often encounter in in action movies except in weird roundabout ways um as more of like a, a motivation because sometimes women are are treated more like christopher nolan treats them it's just like you know lofty lofty images to to go attain um but Furiosa is there in, in the thick of it, trying to blaze a trail, and and she gets Max to to really spearhead the rest of the way, and he is able to uh, to become the man that he always wanted to be. Which yeah, you know that that's such a. I mean, as a husband and a father, like I, I really relate to that. I see the importance of that, and that's that that guides my life. My wife guides my life, and so does my daughter in ways that I'll, I'll never be able to fully describe. Yeah. 
man, I take the war rig to save my my family's life any day, right? Drive it through. You, you, you take the war rig to go back to the place that you were that wanted to kill you, and then establish your your women as the new ruler. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. This metaphor might break down a little bit here and there. I think that's beautiful, man. I, 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 I don't know how much more there is to say about Mad Max Fury Road on this podcast, other than a final question, which is, Jesse, is this a dad movie? I mean, I think in every way we've already described how it is a dad movie and why I think, even in, in the last few sentences, why I think it's a dad movie. So yes, this absolutely is. A thousand percent. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, it's fun to watch, and it also is like, got a good message. Yeah. I'm like excited to watch it again already. I can't believe I waited seven years to, to rewatch this movie. What's wrong I mean, with after me? Wa- yeah, after talking about this more, I really just want to go see Mad Max Fury Road again. I want to see Furiosa. Oh, well, we have to wait a couple years, but it'll be here eventually. It'll be here. It'll be here. Well, um, with that, it's a dad movie. It's unanimous. I'm pretty sure Vito would have said yes, too. Oh, yeah, um, he would have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure Dan did, too. Unfortunately, both of them have ridden to Valhalla, Shiny and Chrome. Uh, we witnessed them. <laughs> it was pretty mediocre. Um, <laughs> but from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYF Movies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movie.